You are listening to Pandora's Box Radio with Kalia LaRoche. For more information about my products and services, counseling, coaching, hypnotherapy, books, and audios, please visit NarcissismFree.com or PathBackToSelf.com. Hello and welcome to Pandora's Box. This is Kalia. And today we're going to talk about codependency. Now, I've talked about codependency several times before, but I want to go into a little bit bigger deep dive on the topic of codependency. It seems most of the people who come to see me as a result of narcissistic abuse have some degree of codependency. Codependency is pretty common amongst those who come from families where there is alcoholism or other addictions, abuse, neglect, mental illness, or personality disorders. Codependency is a coping mechanism for the dysfunctional and toxic environments that we grow up in, and the coping mechanism carries forward into our adulthood. Codependency is not a personality disorder, nor is it considered a mental illness or disorder in the Diagnostic Manual, or DSM-5. One thing that's really important to understand about codependency is that it's on a spectrum. People can be extremely codependent, or they can be mildly codependent. Because the word dependent is in the word codependent, people often associate codependency with dependency. The word independent also has the word dependent in it, and it does not suggest any type of dependency. I feel that codependency has been largely misunderstood, and it's becoming one of those buzzwords that's used pretty frequently. So I want to go a little deeper into the world of codependency today. I'm going to start out by delving deeply into the symptoms of codependency by sharing with you some information that came from Psych Central on the symptoms of codependency. Okay, so the following is a list of symptoms of codependency and being in a codependent relationship. So you don't need to have all of these symptoms to qualify as a codependent. The first one is low self-esteem. Feeling that you're not good enough or comparing yourself to others are a sign of low self-esteem. The tricky part about self-esteem is that some people think highly of themselves, but it's only a disguise, as you find with uh, narcissistic personality disorder. They actually feel unlovable or inadequate. Underneath, usually hidden from consciousness, are feelings of shame. Guilt and perfectionism often go along with low self-esteem. If everything is going perfectly, you don't feel bad about yourself. But when there are imperfections and issues, that's where the bad feelings come from. Now, the second symptom of codependency is people-pleasing. It's fine to want to please someone you care about, but codependents usually don't think that they 
have a choice. So saying no causes them anxiety. Some codependents have a hard time saying no to anyone. So they go out of their way to sacrifice their own needs to accommodate other people. The third symptom of codependency is poor boundaries. Now boundaries are a sort of imaginary line between you and others. It divides up what's yours and somebody else's. And that applies not only to your body, your money, and your belongings, but also to your feelings, thoughts, and needs. That's especially where codependents get into trouble. They have blurry or weak boundaries. They feel responsible for other people's feelings and problems, or they blame their own feelings and problems on someone else. Some codependents have very rigid boundaries, so they're closed off and withdrawn, making it hard for other people to get close to them. Sometimes people flip back and forth between having weak boundaries and having very rigid ones. The next symptom of codependency is reactivity. So a consequence of poor boundaries is that you react to everyone's thoughts and feelings. If someone says something you disagree with, you either believe it or become defensive. You absorb their words because there is no boundary. With a boundary, you'd realize it was just their opinion and not a reflection of you and not feel threatened by disagreements. The next symptom of codependency is caretaking. Another effect of poor boundaries is that if someone else has a problem, you want to help them to the point that you give up yourself. It's natural to feel empathy and sympathy for someone, but codependents start putting other people ahead of themselves. In fact, they need to help and might feel rejected if another person doesn't want help. They keep trying to help and fix the other person, even when that person clearly isn't interested in being helped or fixed or isn't taking their advice. The next symptom of codependency is control. Control helps codependents feel safe and secure. Everyone needs some control over events in their life. You wouldn't want to live in constant uncertainty and chaos, but for codependents, control limits their ability to take risk and share their feelings. Sometimes they have an addiction that either helps them loosen up, like alcoholism, or helps them hold their feelings down, like workaholism, so they don't feel out of control. Codependents also need to control those close to them because they need other people to behave in a certain way to feel okay. In fact, people-pleasing and caretaking can be used to control and manipulate people. The next symptom of codependency is dysfunctional communication. Codependents have trouble when it comes to communicating their thoughts, feelings, and needs. Of course, if you don't know what you think, feel, or need, this becomes a problem. Other times you know, but you won't own up to your truth. You're afraid to be truthful because you don't want to upset someone else. Instead of saying, I don't like that, you might pretend that it's okay or tell someone what to do.
Communication becomes dishonest and confusing when you try to manipulate the other person out of fear. The next symptom of codependency is obsessions. Codependents have a tendency to spend their time thinking about other people or relationships. And this is caused by their dependency and anxiety and fears. They can also become obsessed when they think they've made or might make a mistake. Sometimes you can lapse into fantasy about how you'd like things to be or about someone you love as a way to avoid the pain of the present. This is one way to stay in denial, but it keeps you from living your life in any kind of healthy way. The next symptom of codependency is dependency. We were talking about that a little earlier. Codependents need other people to like them in order to feel okay about themselves. They're afraid of being rejected or abandoned, even if they can function on their own. Some always need to be in a relationship because they feel depressed or lonely when they're by themselves for too long. This trait makes it hard for them to end a relationship, even when the relationship is painful or abusive. They end up feeling trapped. The next symptom of codependency is denial. One of the problems people face in getting help for codependency is that they're in denial about it, meaning they don't face their problem. Usually they think the problem is someone else or the situation. They either keep complaining or try to fix the other person or go from one relationship or job to another and never own up to the fact that they have a problem. Codependents also deny their feelings and needs. Often they don't know what they're feeling and are instead focused on what others are feeling. The same thing goes for their needs. They pay attention to other people's needs and not their own. They might be in denial of their need for space and autonomy. Although some codependents seem needy, others act like they're self-sufficient when it comes to needing help. They won't reach out and they have trouble receiving. They're in denial of their vulnerability and their need for love and intimacy. The next symptom of codependency is problems with intimacy. Because of the shame and the weak boundaries, you might fear that you'll be judged, rejected, or abandoned. On the other hand, you may fear being smothered in a relationship and losing your autonomy. You might deny your need for closeness and feel that your partner wants too much of your time. Your partner complains that you're unavailable, but he or she is denying his or her need for separateness. So there's that kind of dance of intimacy that can be really dysfunctional between codependents and their partners. The last symptom that I'm going to talk about today is painful emotions. Codependency creates stress and leads to painful emotions. Shame and low self-esteem create anxiety and fear about being judged, 
rejected, or abandoned. Making mistakes, being a failure, feeling trapped by being close or being alone. The other symptoms lead to feelings of anger and resentment, depression, hopelessness, and despair. When the feelings are too much, you can feel numb. Codependency is said to have some traits of dependent personality disorder, borderline personality disorder, and post-traumatic stress disorder. But even if there are some traits that cross over between the different diagnoses, it really depends on the individual because no two codependents will have the same set of symptoms. So when I describe the symptoms of codependency, you may relate to some of them and not to others. And also a lot of people I work with don't only have codependent traits, but they have post-traumatic stress, complex post-traumatic stress disorder. And so they're going to have the symptoms of that as well. And there is some crossover there. Some will even have the symptoms of borderline personality disorder, some of the traits of borderline personality disorder. So there's a lot of confusion that can come in. And sometimes it's really good not to focus on what the disorder is and try to diagnose yourself as having a disorder, but but really understand that codependency is really a set of problems that get in your way when you're attempting to have healthy communication and healthy relationships. So if you focus more on the symptoms that you're having and how you can work with those symptoms, that you're going to have a lot more positive recovery. Now, dependent personality disorder causes people to be dependent on others. As I research dependent personality disorder, uh, these are people that are really dependent, that have difficulty making decisions or doing anything on their own. And although I've seen, you know, a few people with these traits, most people that I work with are, uh, do not fall into this category at all. They're able to make decisions. They're able to... Um, do things on their own for themselves. Whereas dependent personality disorder, it's almost as if people resort to being a, you know, a three-year-old where they can't do very much by themselves at all. Borderline personality disorder may seem to be dependent upon one specific person, but borderlines can transfer their dependency to another person. And they're known for their unstable relationships with others. Codependents are known to have dependency on one particular person, especially the person they're in a significant relationship with. And this can be a, a significant other. It can also be a parent um, or it can be a sibling or a best friend. They can also easily display codependent behavior such as lack of boundaries, people pleasing, and difficulty saying no in all of their relationships. In my experience working with codependents, when out of a relationship, they can become quite strong and independent. There is some information that says codependents need to have a relationship and don't like to be alone. And although this is true for 
many codependents and most codependents would like to have a relationship, they can become quite independent and self-sufficient, even confident outside of their relationships. In fact, many codependents are much stronger on their own than they are in a relationship. They can function really well out of a relationship and when they get into a relationship, they can start having issues. Codependent behaviors often seem to increase when a new relationship begins. There may be a tendency to focus too much on the prospective relationship partner, get anxious about when or if that person's going to call or text or how they're going to respond to them. They may have increased feelings of unworthiness, fear of rejection. They may start to notice strong people-pleasing behaviors, an inability to say no or have good boundaries, including good sexual boundaries. They may go into denial about red flag behaviors, making excuses for the person that they're dating, stop spending time with their friends, be too available for the other person, and even begin to feel needy. This can be ironic because a codependent may not display many of these behaviors out of their relationship. It's the relationship itself that seems to bring many codependent behaviors to the surface. Still, underneath the surface of their awareness, there's likely some really deep core wounds, beliefs, and fears that are activated in the relationship. Codependents make great relationship partners for narcissists because they're other-focused. The narcissist needs a lot of attention focused on them, so initially it's a pretty good match. However, codependents may also focus on the negative characteristics of the narcissist and try to get him or her to change, which as we know is impossible. She may attempt to fix or rehabilitate the narcissist rather than focus on her own needs and behaviors that aren't working for her in that relationship. Rather than saying this relationship isn't a good fit for me, it's unhealthy or unsatisfying, the codependent may continue to attempt to get her needs met in the relationship by trying to get the relationship partner to give her more attention, love, affection, compassion, time, etc. Strong feelings of abandonment may also make it difficult for her to end the relationship. The higher on the spectrum the codependency, the more it interferes with one's life and their ability to connect to themselves and their own inner reality. In cases of extreme codependency, one may deny all personal needs and focus entirely on taking care of the needs of others. The healthier one becomes, the more tuned in he or she is to their own needs. Becoming aware of one's needs is an important step toward healing. If I ask someone, what is it that you need right now? And they draw blank and can't answer that question, it might be an indicator that the person is out of touch with his or her own needs. Codependents typically avoid facing themselves, their own pain and their own needs through an intense focus on the other. Therefore, the healing of codependency involves coming back to the self, that path back to self, 
and learning to tune in to one's inner reality. This includes one's emotions, needs, fears, and insecurities. Codependents usually deny or avoid their darker emotions, such as sadness, grief, frustration, anger, rage, feelings of worthlessness, inadequacy, low self-esteem, fear, and insecurity. Their primary medication for avoiding uncomfortable emotions is an intense focus on others. Although they may use drugs, alcohol, workaholism, and other addictions to avoid what they're feeling. Therefore, the healing comes from withdrawing one's focus on others and placing it back on the self. Finding the courage to face one's inner reality and difficult emotions. Strong fear of abandonment and rejection have its roots in feeling that one is not worthy of love or acceptance, or that who you are is not enough. Although we all need to learn to be ourselves, to be okay with just being ourselves, codependents don't feel they have a self that is worthy of love and acceptance. Therefore, if they express how they really feel or show too much of who they are, they fear that they're going to be rejected or abandoned by those closest to them. They tend to go into caretaking people, people-pleasing, giving in to the needs and demands of others, not speaking up or speaking their truth, denying reality, trying to fix or heal or rescue, and staying too long in toxic situations. Where a borderline personality tends to explode out of their intense emotions, codependents tend to implode. They can keep their feelings locked inside and maybe even locked out of their own awareness. If they do explode and get angry and share how they really feel, they tend to feel a lot of guilt, shame, and regret. When a narcissist is present, that narcissist is likely to go on the attack when a codependent loses her cool. He will call her crazy, out of control, or an emotional basket case. The narcissist will lose his cool frequently and not think anything of it, but should his codependent partner lose control of her emotions, he will never let her forget it. This causes the codependent further shame and feelings of regret and rejection. As long as a codependent stays focused on another person, she will not have the healing. But if she brings her focus back to herself, her own needs, and exploring her own core wounds, wants, needs, and uncomfortable emotions, she can begin to heal. Now, Forgive me for saying the he and the she. It's just easier to talk that way. So we all know that codependence can be male or female and narcissists can be male or female and borderlines can be male or female. I started healing from codependency in my early 20s. I started in CODA groups in my early 20s, joining these uh, codependent anonymous groups because I became aware of my own codependency in my first marriage. 
I'm still on my healing path today. I still find myself revisiting codependent behaviors and having feelings that if acted upon would definitely be codependent. I see my rescuer come out from time to time. I see my people pleaser, my caretaker, and my tendency to push my own needs aside to focus on the needs of others. So I'm always staying aware, doing my best to stay aware of these traits showing up in me, these behaviors showing up in me so that I can correct them on the spot as much as possible. But there's still things I miss from time to time. And that is where the healing is, to keep trying to be aware, to notice where these behaviors are showing up and do your best to correct them when they're showing up. I believe when we are others-oriented, we're always going to struggle with some codependent behaviors. Even on the path back to self, we don't tend to change our orientation to be completely self-focused. We don't go from being codependent to narcissistic. We don't go from having high empathy to low empathy or no empathy. We simply learn to take better care of ourselves, to become aware of our own needs and become aware of our core wounds and different emotional states. We learn that we can't fix or heal others. We can only heal ourselves. We learn that rescuing others is enabling them, keeping them dependent on the rescuer. We learn that saying no to others is saying yes to ourselves, and this is not only okay, but it's healthy. We learn that we don't have to please others at the expense of ourselves. We learn it's better to be real than to be nice. We learn that we don't have to own the feelings or projections of others. We learn that we develop a whole lot more self-respect when we set boundaries and not allow others to walk all over us. We learn that allowing others to abuse us is self-abuse and destructive to our self-worth. I know very few people who can say, I used to be codependent and now I'm not. But we can say, I used to be really codependent and now I'm much better. I can say that my own codependency has not been extreme enough to keep me holding on to toxic dysfunctional relationships for long. I've tended to see and feel the dysfunction early on and extract myself from the relationship, even if it was difficult or painful. I realize it was more difficult and painful to stay in dysfunctional relationships. Once I recovered from those relationships, I did pretty well on my own. I liked being with myself. I enjoyed my own company. I liked the solitude. I really liked the lack of conflict. I enjoyed spending time with my friends and hosting events. I enjoyed traveling by myself, hiking by myself, and exploring my spiritual connection. I got lonely at times, but who doesn't? Sometimes when out of a relationship, I wished I had somebody special in my life, but I knew that relationships came with their own set of problems, and it's not an antidote for loneliness or unhappy feelings we haven't wanted to feel.
When we look for a relationship to rescue us from our own dismal reality, we're setting ourselves up for failure. We will never likely attract or be attracted to someone who's not struggling with many of the same unresolved emotional traumas we've been struggling with. That's why if you're codependent, you're likely to attract people who have strong narcissistic, borderline, bipolar, or addictive traits or behaviors. The more you can work on your own codependent issues and find peace within yourself, the more likely you will be to attract and remain with someone who's not in the midst of internal chaos, unresolved emotional pain, and trauma. Recovering from codependency is not an easy journey. You really need to be willing to take a microscope to your own life and inner reality. And often this needs to be done in a therapeutic environment because we can so easily unconsciously dismiss issues that a counselor will bring to your attention. If you're codependent, you need to be willing to explore those deep core wounds and see how your current behaviors are getting in the way of your full healing and recovery. You need to be able to recognize the codependent behaviors in yourself and stop doing them. Remember, awareness is key. You can't stop a behavior until you become aware of it. For example, if you realize you have difficulty saying no, and you realize that you're a people pleaser, look for these tendencies in yourself and then practice doing the opposite. Practice saying no to people and practice pleasing yourself instead of focusing on pleasing others. Be aware of where you're going into denial and lying to yourself and be willing to be really honest about what's going on in your life. Learn to walk away from unhealthy and toxic relationships even when you're feeling the fear of abandonment. Know you will get through it and be okay. Learn where your strengths are and focus on them. The more you heal and recover, the stronger you become. If you find yourself alone, learn to enjoy being alone. Learn to enjoy your own company and create an amazing relationship with yourself and with your circle of friends. If you don't have friends, figure out how to develop some healthy friendships. This is a great place to start. Like any recovery process, recovery happens one step at a time, one day at a time. Look at what you can do today towards your recovery. What can you do today to love yourself more, to nurture yourself and take care of yourself? How can you set a stronger boundary today? How can you sit with uncomfortable feelings right now? In the end, the prognosis for recovery for codependency is very good. As long as you're developing your awareness and actively working on your recovery, you can have excellent results. It's when you go into denial that any part of your relationship issues have to do with you that you remain stuck and repeating the same patterns.
We are always 50% of our relationships. We bring our own dysfunction to our relationships. And it is our own dysfunction that keeps us repeating unhealthy relationship patterns. So we have to take responsibility for ourselves and our own part in our relationships. Oftentimes that leads us to having to leave a relationship and that's okay. That's a healthy choice. So just remember that you are the one that you've been waiting for. In a sense, you are your own soulmate. You need to develop that amazing relationship with yourself first. I want to thank you for listening today. And if you'd like to know more about me and my work, please visit my websites, NarcissismFree.com and PathBackToSelf.com. Thanks again. Have a great day. And we'll see you in the next podcast. Thank you.